And so will you receive. So if you receive something tonight, will you receive something in honor of speaking of sowing? Because you get by sowing too. Like this isn't a number thing. This isn't like, well, I sow more, so I get more. No, that's not the way it works. The woman who went into the thing was hoping all she had was a, a mite number, the penny here, like the littlest amount. And she went in and gave extra to help them have time. And they were giving because they wanted to show how much they could give. They were giving out of their minds. She was giving out of her life. We keep thinking, you guys live in some economy that when you have more, you're giving out more. That's just a lie the enemy has to put in your head so that you never give. Because I love what Kurt Bennett says, who's my, my friend of ours. Kurt Bennett teaches that really there's only two mentalities when it comes to giving. It's either a bucket or a pipe. And the way that it works is that you're going to have this bucket mentality where when the bucket's overflowing, then you'll give. The problem is when the bucket gets filled and overflowing, just buy a bigger bucket is what ends up happening. And what you're supposed to do is nothing you have is yours. That's the way it works. Nothing, you do not have anything. You possess nothing. <laughs> For real. You're like, no, I worked really hard, brother, to get what I'm at. No, you didn't. Remember why you were breathing and you didn't ask for any breath? Yeah, that, that, that's what you got, okay? That's, that's where the giving, that's where it pretty much ends, okay? You have no opportunity that God did not give you. There is no open door that he did not open for you. And we keep, like, running into this thing where we do it. We deserve, we deserve, we deserve, we deserve. No, it's not the way it works. I promise you, where you sow, you will reap. And I know what we're carrying. There is two things you are sowing into. Number one, you are sowing into fearlessness. And I don't have a lot, but I know what I am. I'm not afraid. <laughs> like, I don't have anything to prove to anyone. I'm not afraid that you don't like me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I don't have to be right. Look, I'm not worried about being theologically correct. Next time I come, I may correct myself. I'm not really worried about it, okay? Because anybody that comes up here and tells you they haven't figured out, they're already liars, please leave the room. Like, just leave the room. Well, brothers, let me tell you, I have figured it out. I'm like, somebody be a liar and just leave, okay? Because, because we don't have this figured out. There's not one verse in this entire Bible you will ever know everything about. It's impossible for us. This is a well that you will never run dry. You will read the same verse a thousand times and go, oh my God, I never saw that before. What I'm telling you is that what you can't have and know is other people's blessings. They're amazing. Do you know how amazing of a worship leader you have in your life? Okay, I just want to make sure you're all quite aware. I want to make sure you're all aware of how amazing she is. Because if not, we're going to steal her and take her to California. I don't have anything to do with her, so I don't know where we put her. We just be like, hey, you and your family can live upstairs. <laughs> like, outside of that, we like to hang out or something, you know? Um, no, she's here for a reason, so I didn't mean to offend her. Bad joke, okay? Um, but, but really, you people are awesome. You guys are amazing. Um, but I know that we have a fearless devotion to God. Like, all, us and our kids, we are sowing into fearlessness. Like, you're sowing into fear. Because we are, I believe that what God has put on our life is to break ground and give permission for other people to be brought into the light and not feel like they have to compromise because they're immature. Okay, we want to, we want to blaze a trail that says, "Be exactly who you are, exactly where you go." We're giving you permission. That's the best way I can do. That's the first thing you are sowing into. The second thing you are sowing into a movement of artists that is raising up on the earth that will literally define this generation. You guys, there is a gap right now in terms of music, in terms of art. There is a hole, a gaping hole in culture. And the question of this hour is, will we fill it or not? And here's what's happening in church right now. We end up getting so confused about style, we miss the sound. So everybody keeps looking for a style, but style has nothing to do with it. This has nothing to do with style. People like jazz, hip-hop, people like pop, people like soft contemporary. It's your own thing. God's not here going, well, that is the style of today. Like, I am touching, that's it. That is the style. That's the only style. Anything else, if it's not a dotted eight-note delay with a soft piano and a pad and a faded kick drum, it's not worship music. Get out of my house. Where is that acoustic guitar? Did you play distortion on that acoustic tonight? That is out of the question. Get out of that. Guys, this isn't about style. We're looking for people because I, I mean, it's so tiresome to listen to people I used to be listening to this all the time. I'm like, man, what's on your iPod? What are you listening to? You're listening to all this crazy music. I'm buying music and this and this and that. You know what I mean? And I said, what's going on in your life? Are you looking at hearts? Like, tell me all that's going on in your life. 
And I'm writing songs. By the music they're listening to, what's going on in their life? And I wouldn't play the music. And then they put it on there and play the music. Listen to this. And I'm like, did you put in a Chris Tomlin CD? Like, where is this? I think Jesus Culture recorded this last year. And I'm not trying to diss anyone. I'm just simply trying to say, you don't have to be like anyone else in order to be worship. You guys, and I want to say this. I'm trying, hopefully I will finish the book that I'm working on so I can get to another one. But I want to write this little pamphlet. And the title of this little pamphlet will be, will be this. There is no such thing as worship music. And then I'm going to write five chapters or more on why there is no such thing as worship music. But there isn't. Worship music is a genre made up by big guys in suits to sell you CDs. You won't go, let me find the verse about worship music in the, in the Bible here. Oh, you want to do that? You're like, oh yeah, well, brother, build the song. Okay. Slaughter my enemies from Zion, let their blood spill through Jerusalem. Are you going to sing that Sunday morning? Is that the one you picked? Oh, I got a better one. How about this? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Didn't some, uh, David, David, that's bad theology. David, that's not true. That's not biblical. Why didn't somebody tell David that that's not biblical? Oh, because Jesus was waiting to see it from the cross. Selling into right now is us saying we need to blaze a trail and get permission to play a bunch of young, old, rich, poor, black, white, everything in between, every style, everywhere on the earth. Give them permission just to be you. Now, do you think I'm going to ask you like, oh, are you presenting me with blessing over your sin? No, I'm not. Cheating on purpose. If you encounter the presence of God, you're tempted. Until you encounter the presence of God, it's just going to be dogmatic. It's just going to be hypocrites. It's just going to be a bunch of dribble that you're doing because somebody told you. Be you. I wrote a song when I was uh, at my church. I wrote this song, and the chorus was, Give me a beauty flash and stay for my tears. Give me this whole beauty flash. The chorus ended like this. You were never there for me. Pretends like they don't feel that way. When in actuality, everyone in the room goes, I got you I feel, but if I admit it, I feel like I'm not pushing you. Anybody's hand in their kids? I'm like, hey, do you like how feeling your sister? He's like, I didn't say that. Do you think that I'm like, oh, he hates me. Oh my God, he hates me.
down to your wallets. And this is what I'm saying. This is what you're sowing. I just want to make sure you understand. This is not like me saying, no, you guys, you don't have any account. Like, we're sowing into something. Like, you're sowing into something. This isn't a joke to me. I'm not just a band. I play music so that I can suck you into letting me in so that I can pray for you. I get invited to big churches by like playing music, and then I prophesy, and then it's fun. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I like tricked you into letting me in and play 20 minutes, and now you're reading them for it. You know, it's like, I just want to make sure you understand that you're not sowing into another band. You're not coming to that. And I'm God blessing you. But you're not sowing into another band of God. You are sowing into a bigger kingdom. And we're not stopping that for ourselves. And it's going to be so awesome. Okay, checks. I'm literally saying this right now. If you're going to sow in tonight, it's going to be a sacrifice. That's what I'm telling you. Because it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, if you're doing it just to get a tax write off anyway, you already got your reward. So why don't we just sow in tonight? Like, this is, if you, if you want something from the Father's care, you sow in. Like, write your check to Jake Robinson, drop off cash. And honestly, like, just put it on the altar. Like, you got 15 minutes, and I'm just going to pray. And as soon as you're ready, just come up. Like, let's not make it weird. There's no, like, come back. If you want to sow, come up and just drop it off. It's all good. We're all friends here. This is not weird. So, God, I pray that every dollar that's sown in tonight, every single red cent that's sown, that is sown in tonight, in the name of Jesus, I ask for multiplication. Not for some, not, God, not some for our bank accounts to be filled, but I pray that you would put something in the heart of every single person who sows in tonight. I thought everything that we fought for would somehow be imparted to them through the sowing of the seed. God, that it wouldn't be a side note. That it wouldn't be like, oh, that was nice. Oh, I feel like warm fuzzies. I got to sow in the Jake. No, I ask God for something real in the spirit to happen tonight. That there would be breakthrough in lives. That fear would be broken off of people's lives. That courage would be birthed. And people would literally have an opportunity to do things they only dreamed about before they sowed. In Jesus' name. Uh, you can just stand there, okay? I'm going to keep going. Because this is what's important to me. What's important to me is that all of us know that we are doing this together and we are family in this thing. And you sowing into one life, sows into ten lives, sows into a hundred lives, sows into a thousand lives. But this is about multiplication. <laughs> all right, you ready for the, the text for now? Keep coming, that's cool. If in the middle of it, you feel like the Lord wants you to give thousands of dollars, you can still come out, please. Don't, don't worry about me talking. Look, go to 1 Corinthians 13. Ready? 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to talk about love. Love, 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 love. I love love. Listen to Miss Daniels the other day sing, Love loves to love for like a half hour. Love loves to love. I want you to understand that um, everything I'm going to share with you tonight is not birthed through me sitting with the Bible and having a really nice quiet time. It is birthed through dying. So I just want to make sure you understand that love is not something that's birthed through an emotional encounter. That's why I have to preach tonight and not just keep singing. Because if we keep singing, we keep looking for the next and we'll miss the fact that we're supposed to grow our capacity to contain love so that we walk in this thing everywhere we go. Or if not, you will literally get romanticized with the idea of love and never actually find what you're looking for. Because we more enjoy the idea of love than actually encounter it. And you'll know why, why I'm saying that when I start reading First Corinthians. Because <laughs> you'll go, oh, I don't know that kind of love. Wait, okay, okay, so wait, so love isn't just the warm fuzzies that I feel when I like, get around someone that I like, or it's not just the warm fuzzies I feel when I sing a song that I like, and I get emotional, or I get happy, or I get sad, or I get whatever, and that's not love? No, no, that's a, that is a, that, you guys, that is, that is a part of what love is. It is the experiential part of what love is. But if all you're looking for is the next emotional high, then you'll miss out on love, which is a structure inside of you that can bear the weight 
of everything you'll ever encounter in this life. The reason love is so important is because when you know that you are loved, you are unstoppable. The enemy wants to kill love in you because if he can kill what love really is and give you an over-romanticized version of love that you receive and accept as real love, then he has already won because you will run from conference to conference, meeting to meeting, looking for an emotion, never building something inside that will bear the weight of everything that life will throw at you. Here's the problem. Listen, check this out. You don't get Here's how it really started. Let me back up like a few years or maybe for you a few months or a week. Love, here's the issue. You did not get saved when you decided to tell God you love him. See, that's why people fall away from the church. Because we end up telling people, tell God you love him. Tell God you want him. Let God, you know, give him love. And then that's how you get saved. Tell God he's worth it. Tell him he's worthy. Wrong! You have nothing to give him. You have nothing to bring to the table. I hate to burst your bubble. I know you think you're really great. And I assume that you are royalty and you have destiny. But you are not royalty and destiny because you did a darn thing. You're royalty because your dad is the king of kings and lord of lords. And you are, listen, and you are worthy because he makes you worthy. Not because you have anything innate in you that makes you worthy. Here's the reality for you. Ready? Very simple. You cannot love without God. It's impossible. Now, here's the one. And some of us, some of us, we say yes in theory, but then we see other people loving people in the world. So they're trying to bring the world down and create walls and separate countries. And they are trying to do all these really nice things in the name of love. The problem is, love, any love outside of God, any love outside of Yahweh, any love outside of Yeshua, any love outside of Jesus is vain. Why? Because it points back. We call it love because every kind of love you've ever known We love our ourselves. Here's the issue. That's when you get saved. You don't get saved when you go one day, oh, I love you, brother. It's like, you don't understand. That's nice. I don't really love you, do you? have to recognize that apart from me, apart from all your good works, and all your talents, and all your abilities, and all your ministries, and all your junk that you have spent your life earning, apart from all of it, if you will strip bare of everything, you'd be lost. If you became a paraplegic today, could offer nothing else to society as a whole, you would still be worthy of love. And God, again, cannot love you any more or any less. You already have the feeling of love. So why are you striving to get more love? Because here's why. Here's how it works. That actually is part of the truth. Because here's the way it works. God goes, I love you. And one day you're like, he loves you. And so this is our natural response. The love. When you know you're loved, This is how it works. Okay? So then, a kid, so then you as a kid, God goes, you're whispering like this in your head. The questions go down and you're like, I love you. And you're like, oh my God, he loves me. He loves me. And then we go, ha ha, no, I love you. And he goes, no, that's impossible. I love you. And you're like, no, 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 I love you. And he goes, no, no, I love you. And you're like, oh yeah? Watch this. I'm going to worship for 1,700 hours. I love you. And he's like, touche, but watch this. I love you. And then, and then the person's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, I know what I need to do. I'll start getting rid of things in my life so that I have a greater capacity in my being to let them know love So then we start making more room. It's called dying to yourself. And we start dying to ourselves. And I'm like, you know what? Try again. You go. And you're like, yeah, see? I'm like, oh, my God. And then he's like, oh, and you're like, oh, and you get back, and you, it's literally love bomb, bomb, bomb forever. 
is not God's love for you, but your propensity to carry more and more and more and more. The difference is we have confused emotional love for real love, so we're looking for an experience, and he's looking to actually build something. So we build him. One million? One million? How many people? Just give me a number. One million? Or oh, eight million? I need a number. Let's say eight million. Is that okay? Can we just say eight million? I choose the religious spirit now in Jesus' name. <laughs> eight million. Let's say, let's say, okay. All right. Pause. You come in every day. Revival in Dallas. Do you understand what would happen if he actually gave you the thing you were born? Let's just be logical. Let's just say he gives you 10% of Dallas. 10%. What is that? 800,000 people? Or is it 80,000? I'm not very good at math. Okay. 800, right? Thank you. Let's say he goes, okay, it's a prayer house. 800,000 people show up next year. What are you doing? What a dream last night. Here's the problem. It would crush the house of prayer. The very thing you're praying for would crush the very thing you're building. Because the idea is that God wants to build love, not build it. So now here's the cool part. You are actually in a house of prayer that wants to build on love. Because love can go door to door. It doesn't have to show up I don't care how big of a mega church you do. You cannot build one big enough for revival. Well, then I'll just get a statement. Did you understand that we just said 10% equals 800,000? Go to the law. Okay, let's all go to Dallas Stadium. We still are 10% of 10%. Right? It's because that is about the building. It's about building something eternal on the inside that you walk around carrying everywhere you go. And when you do, you will carry the kingdom in such a degree that everyone around you becomes lovable. Because here's the cool part. This is what David found out that nobody else found out. And it's why David was a man after God's own heart. Because David realized, oh, if he loves me, do I know how jacked up I am? Oh my God, how much more does he give? If he can use me, and he's calling me a king, and I know how jacked up my heart is, oh my, I can't wait to see you guys you. And we're doing the opposite. Well, I'm what? Because we want the emotional response. We want to call back because we don't know where we're at. So we're walking around. We need to have a little bit of us. So we can't build anyone else. We can't let anybody else grow up above us. And we're just looking for approval. Because we don't know the law. So we don't let anybody grow up past us. We build these models and structures where we're standing at the top so that we can pass us. When Jesus came, he built the model upside down so that everybody gets to pass him. He literally said, you're like, well, I don't know if that's true, brother, but he, he says, greater works than you do. What more of a standard do you want? Jesus is raising the dead with the work. Come up, Lazarus. Peter is, there are literally people being healed in Peter's shadow. Jesus never did that. Greater works are you going to do? Why? I'm about to show you, right? Here we go. First Corinthians 13. If I speak, now, now here's the deal. First Corinthians 13, for those of you that don't know, it's in the middle of one of the greatest teachings on the spiritual gifts in all the Bible. It is smack dab in between the two greatest chapters on Paul explaining, Paul, the greatest theologian in church history, explaining the other explaining it. And in the middle of it, he goes, oh, that is something that we really The actual text says, let me show you a more excellent way. What he's really saying is, if you think that's crazy, check this out. That's the joke in the last one. Check this out. And this is where he starts. Remember, he's teaching on spiritual gifts, and this is how he starts. It's 
I saw a second. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's what he's talking about. He says, hey, that thing you're arguing over, tongues, that's what's happening. In, in Corinth, they're arguing over tongues. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Let's just all argue over this gift. That's awesome. That's, yeah, that's dumb. Okay, let's just be honest. It's ridiculous. You, you, I don't care if you're in this room or not. You don't believe in tongues. Great, awesome. High five. Let's get coffee later. Who cares? If this is irrelevant. They've been arguing about it since the book of 1 Corinthians, and you think you got it figured out? Even in the charismatic circle, we're like, brother, this is how it works. Let me tell you something. I'm sorry, but it seems like Corinthians were pretty confused about it, and now centuries later, you got it. All figured out. Big deal to you. I thought we just admit this is it. That's weird. That's just weird. Why are we trying to make it sound normal? And that is weird. Right? Like, let's just admit that's weird. There is a language of heaven. That's just weird. But that's what makes it fun. I love it because it's all up there like, that's just fun. Look at them go. They're awesome. It moves his heart, you guys. Like, you, I, I think it's, to me, tongues is like when my kids are trying to explain something that they can't really explain. So it just sounds like God. It just sounds like garbage mess, you know. And as a dad, you know what you do? Right on. Yeah. And I love it because what he does is he sees past the heart and he goes, I'm giving you a gift that explains things that are completely unexplainable. Your words, your tongue can't keep up with your spirit. And all of a sudden, this thing comes out. You don't know what it says. You don't know what's going on. And that's why it's good to have an interpretation because nobody in the room knows what you're doing. Who cares? Just say it's weird and move And then that would be a Baptist thing. I grew up in a Baptist church, y'all. My first encounter with God was in a Baptist church, y'all. And we, are we still trying? I got y'all been in the South for two months. But here's the crazy part. This is what he says. You could have tongues, but if it's not with love, which is majority of people are trying to argue to get the tongues, y'all, here's the point. Okay? They're arguing it. If you do it without love, guess what you are? I'm going to take that symbol. I'm going to place it in the middle of the room. I'm going to take a big old stick. I'm going to bang on it until your ears break. Literally, what tongues is like—it's not just a noise; it is annoying. Tongues without love is annoying. Anybody ever been one of those rooms? Yeah. Hallelujah. And then he says, "If I have prophetic powers, check this out." He takes it to another level. He goes, "If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith." So that I can move mountains, but I have not love. He literally goes, he goes, he literally says, I am love. Not just you sound like love. You literally are nothing. He says, you prophesy all you want. Here's, and look, he's not talking about this. He's not talking. Here, the language and the Greek is not even talking about the prophetic spirit. He's talking about prophesying and the heavens moving. You ever been in those rooms where the weather changes because of prophets? Sitting here going, no, brother, it's okay. I mean, just no, 
farmer goes out and goes, don't worry, I'm in this planting season. I don't care if it really blows. It only took me a year to till this soil. <laughs> no, we plant with purpose so that we can reap a harvest. And he says, if you do it without love, you're going to get nothing. Because love is the fertile soil where God can build. Oh, you're going to be part of the show. He's going to be doing the Lord love on it. Are you ready? Because now we're about to run through my favorite passage in the Bible outside of the Beatitudes. Outside of the Beatitudes, this is my favorite piece of scripture on the planet. I want to just, I want, because I want to get this. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to preach it. I don't want to pray for it. I want 1 Corinthians 13 to get so deep inside of me that when I love, it looks like this. And the bummer part is, I'm jacked on phrase one. Weeks of my entire life. That's the passage I opened up to, and I realized if I can't even get past one, how am I supposed to do the rest? Because we are trying to love in a hurry. We work 50 hour work weeks, come home and give our kids and our wives two hours before we take a shower and go to bed and expect them to think that they're not. I don't mean to be a jerk, but I'm just trying to be real. They get the least of us, and we're trying to love them the most. And then we're in ministry, thinking that we can have 60 hours a week of meetings, go home to our family and have anything else to give to another individual? Love, we cannot love in a vacuum. We don't love by accident. Love is patient because it takes so many years to take place. If you like another version, it's in Psalm 46. from the poorest that cannot buy time. I don't care if you can afford to buy a better plane ticket than me so that you can leave an hour later. Guess what? You'll be able to show up an hour later. You change anything, that hour is still there. And your kids are 18 and they're leaving your house. You cannot buy that ticket. Just spend enough time with them. Everybody's got different degrees as well. You're not accountable for them to know. 
I talk to my girl, well, I checked your bank statements, and it was pretty close, but you made it. But you're really going to be accountable for what you said. Everybody wants to convince you that it's not. When you have any measure of success, everybody's goal is to convince you that the whole world revolves around you. And the fight is not to stay on top, but to try to get back to the bottom. But if you're not at the end, you think it was yourself, you should get to the Because everybody else wants to pirate you for my goodness. does not envy Have you any kids? Dad, have you encountered love? Huh? You're not constantly going through this. Every time. Not like I am now. Never. Get more tired of that. Get more of that. Get more of that. Like this with ours. Oh, nobody needs this. God doesn't look around and go, See, most of us are like, well, yeah, well, that's easy for the, yeah, that's easy for the rich person. Have you, have you, have you talked to a rich person? It doesn't change because it's never enough. Anybody, have you ever met someone who's like, oh, I just have a hard time. I don't want it anymore. It's fine. You see what I'm saying? It's not, when is it up? When do you reach a minute? But if you're content, and guess what? When you're content, you always have something because you're not constantly worried about what you need. You feel that you never have it. That's his great thing. Not boastful. Huh. I love it. Love does not boast, which means this: love shuts its mouth. Huh. You want to learn a practical about loving? Shut up. Easy. Uh, when you want to say something, don't. Think about it. Mold it over in your head a little while. Then think about saying it, and then it's about to leave your mouth. Shut up again and start over. Love is not uh, love is not talkative. You guys, I can. It's easy. First Samuel, First Samuel chapter three. The Lord speaks, and Eli tells Samuel. Okay, wait a minute. Eli does not tell Samuel. Hey Samuel, when God talks. First Samuel chapter three, Eli says, Samuel, you're the voice of the Lord, shut up and tell him. Tell him this. Speak Lord to your servant this way. You guys, when God shows up, it's not your turn to talk. And when love shows up, the Lord can remain silent because what the other person has to say is more important than what you have to say. Most marriages fall apart. Money, communication. You forgot how to have a conversation. You make every conversation like I'm totally, I'm terrible at this. For literally like a half an hour, I can hear myself talking. Oh, I'm doing terrible. I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. I just talked for half an hour. And I'm learning, okay? We're all learning. I'm learning. <laughs> I go into preacher mode every five minutes, okay? Oh, yeah, well, I have six minutes. I'm going to go. Stupid. Any answer to a question? 
sharing with you my weakness, okay? Like, I'm learning. Like, I'm not telling you this when I get it. I'm not like, oh, brothers and sisters, let me read to you verse 15, 13, I have a quiet five minutes with my wife, and you'll know I'm way far off the mark. Like, you know? And she'd probably give me credit for most of them. Because she likes me. But then we have to talk about it later, because it's just not true. Love is not arrogant. That's a pretty easy one. Love gets low. Love always gets low. Love is not like, I'm so, I'm sorry. So if you get done before me, you can go home because it's okay. I like it. Here's the deal. We have convinced generation that the woman is supposed to serve the men. So therefore, we've created systems even in ministry and even in the church where the woman is a supportive role to the man who is the husband. Is Jesus the perfect husband? Okay. And Jesus, as the perfect husband, gets off of his throne, comes down, serves his bride, dies for his bride, so that she could be lifted up into her greatness. Because when she comes into the fullness of her destiny, he comes into the fullness of his destiny. You see what I'm saying? Because we don't have the servant mentality. We have the leadership, lordship model. Now, I'm not saying that men don't have a role, but they lead by example, not by not by going, this is what we're doing. You guys, Jesus says, no, Brian, you get to play a role. In fact, I'm going to make you the primary target of my life, and I'm going to make you the primary worker of this deal. Your calling is so important, I will die for it so that you can come into your fullness. He took a low position and got low so that he could lift her, us, up into her greatness. I want to get this, you guys. I want to redefine marriage in our generation. But if we don't even know what love looks like, how can we redefine marriage? We're trying to start by fixing our marriages and I'm not loving. They don't even know how love operates in a realistic marriages. It's impossible because we don't know what love looks like. We have made love a romanticized sexual thing, and so that way we're getting something out of it. And one of the greatest priorities of love is not for you to get anything out of it. What if the entire purpose of love is that somebody else gets to be great because you are alive? Love is not rude, which means simply that love is encouraging and honoring in every circumstance and every place. Love lifts up. Love does not insist its own way, which means what we just said. Love will lay down its calling for the calling of another. Love will lay down its purpose for the purpose of another. Love doesn't demand it's my way or the highway. Love says, I want your way, even if it's your way every single time. I'm not interested in proving a point. I'm interested in knowing that you are loved and that you are validated. Love is not irritable. Love is kind. Doesn't mean love is boring. See, see, love. We sometimes think it's just well, that any of these will be boring until like well, I'm a person, so I'm in love. I'm a non. No, it just means, you guys, peace, peace in the hands of a lover is a weapon. Because when someone comes to hit you, uh, you don't stop that. You can hit, uh, I love you. Oh, that's, some people think their manhood is by putting up their fist and fighting back. I'm proving my manhood. It takes nobody to punch back. It takes a real man and a real lover and a real strong person to get hit. And go, I hope you get that. You will. Because it's going to hurt. Isn't that right? In fact, because that's the whole idea. The whole idea is I've gotten so set free, you can't take anything.
work in progress, people. Okay? Like, I mean, I do. Like, literally, could you imagine? Dream with me. Nobody can see you anymore. But you go through the day and everything falls apart. And you're just like, yeah. I think I had one moment like that in the last three months. Okay? Like, one moment where I didn't respond to the crap that just happened. Okay? And it's literally, Brian is there, right? And he goes, I spilled an entire cappuccino right on my lap. And the phone was just there. And I think I laughed harder for 15 minutes than I'd laughed in a long time. Because I was finally at a place where I was like, Yes, Lord. <laughs> hey, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I'm about to leave worship. And the choice became, do I rush it, James, or do I just say, this is how we need it? You know what I mean? Like, this is our intervention. But then I decided it looked too bad, so I had to change. That would have been awkward for everyone. We haven't explained it. So love is not resentful. Here's one of my favorites. Love keeps no record of wrong. Do you understand that one of the greatest qualities of love is that it's predictable? Do you know that you're going to God and ask him for forgiveness for something you did five years ago? Oh, you know, God, that thing that I did, it was so awful. And he's like, oh. Huh? Get out of the thing! I took it out of my life! You should stop me with lightning now! And he's like, I honestly don't remember. You guys understand that God's sovereignty? He chooses. Serve a dollar circumstances. That's cheap. You understand that? You don't serve, I love you, dollar circumstances. You do not serve a dollar circumstances. You serve a God who is so good, he removes your mistake and gives you your first chance back again. That's how good your God is. If you just want a dollar second chances, then just high five him and move on. But I want something that God went, Jesus Christ went to the cross so that you can get back your perfection, not your kind of opponents. He actually removes your sin. He doesn't keep a record of it. He removes it so he sees you perfect. And guess what? You're the only one who still does it. Or it runs it. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, which means this love does not rejoice when somebody else does something wrong so that you look bad. Love does not wait for the other person to fail so you can say yes. Love rejoices with the truth. I've seen more marriages heal in the last couple of years. Husbands or wives, one before another, I've seen it start with the And it takes this five minutes of brokenness. All of a sudden, Told you my job, you let me Or is that job greater than yours? 
was my anger and my resentment and my bad attitude sometimes just less of a sin than my sexuality. But I love my sexuality, and I apologize. Because I'm, you know why? Because I believe some of the greatest prophets and preachers and evangelists are coming out of the homosexual community, and they're not even welcome in our church. Because they're afraid to step in the door because they know five minutes down the road we're going to preach how much that's a sin. Well, guess what? I don't have to agree with you. Okay? Like, I don't have to walk in the door and go, you know, can we all say that, look, I, I don't agree homosexuality is right. It, it's basic anatomy class, right? Like, I mean, we don't have to argue over, like, logistics. These two things don't go together. I don't need the Bible to prove whether or not homosexuality is against creative order. Do you understand that? That's like eighth grade, like, sex ed. But I'm not interested in trying to prove that the Bible, whether or not your lifestyle can be justified. What I want you to know from this Bible is that you are ridiculously and insanely loved. Bring all your junk in. Bring all your brokenness in. And I'm going to remind you every day how great you are. And one day, I know some of people, like, some will hear this, some will read it, some will blog it, okay? And you're like, I know what he's And you know what, to be honest with you, you want, you want a really good story? I was in Orlando and I said the very same thing. I said, bring him to me. I'll let him travel with you. I'm not worried. And this mom, thank God, for the leaders of this massive mega church, came up to me, sobbing, and they said, in her giftedness, even though she doesn't know it. But you know, she just hung out with Zacchaeus and she is not worried about it. He's not sitting up there going, well, I did wrong. He's like, you would have been hanging out in the pastor district. And you all know it. He doesn't plan a church in the middle of the pastor district and just hang out and have coffee. But if that doesn't scream like God issues in my eyes, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you think God's like, oh my God, You guys, we freak out over things that God is just like, will you just shut up, stupid Christian, and just love somebody for once and see what happens? Stop worrying about trying to prove whether or not you're right and just love someone. Love will, okay, love covers how much sin. And what's the answer to sin? You actually believe that? And it shouldn't even be a discussion. That was fun. Sorry, that was a total side drive. I apologize. We'll get done here tonight sometime. There's only a few more. Here we go. Love bears all things, which means this, love will protect you and keep you safe. Love will cover you and protect you. It will keep you safe. I need to say this because this is, this cannot be confused. Because I know that people in this room are either in abusive relationships or have been, or either, either have been abused, physically abusive relationships or are in them currently. And let me, I want to make this very clear because I do not want you just to be misconstruing your head that I am up here promoting that if you're getting beat up, that you should stay in the house. That is not what I'm saying. I want to make sure it's super clear. Get out tonight. I'm serious. Go to a friend's house. Leave. Tell them I'm done. I'm going to a friend's house. Now, notice I didn't say divorce you. I made that choice. I married you. I didn't say divorce you. I said, do not put yourself in a position where you're getting beat up physically or emotionally. 
reception and the standing of what love is. I ask right now for a spirit of deliverance in this room. I think some of you are seeing memories. You're seeing where love got defined in your life. I ask that God would deliver you. The Holy Spirit would deliver you from memories of what you, of how you learned love. I pray that, that all those little experiences, all those little encounters that define love over your lifetime incorrectly, that they would be yanked from your memory, they would be divinely edited from your memory, from your spirit, and that you'd be able to keep the goodness of those memories, but that God would erase what you learned from them. Does that make sense? I know that might not be the right language. I'm not trying to like, over-spiritualize it. I just really want God to remove those places where we learned improperly. So, God, I ask for deliverance right now in the room. Really, like real deliverance, God. I ask in the name of Jesus that you will remove our false understanding of what love looks like. Remove it. Don't don't realize this, God. Don't like, God, we don't, we don't want this to take 30 years. We ask right now in this room that those who are hungry, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, divinely edit our memories, divinely edit our hearts, so that we could literally rebuild what love is inside of us. Show that I now, I, I think some of us are thinking, let's, let's you know, set up whatever. God is literally demolishing foundations in your life right now, which is going to be hard. You're going to have to learn to walk. It's going to feel like you're learning to walk all over again. You're going to start crying when you never used to cry. Uh, you're going to start laughing when you never used to laugh. Because he's literally tearing down the foundation before. He's built all these traps. He's built a bunch of junk. And God is removing foundations and we're about to lay them I ask Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus that anointing for love would come into the room. Father's love. God, I ask for the Father's love to come into the room right now. God, I ask every single person to be touched by your hand right now in Jesus' name. Every single person exactly where they're at, right where they need you, right where they can reach you, right now in this room, they would encounter the Father's love. And God, I literally see them pouring cement. That's what I see. I literally see them just backing up the truck and dumping cement in your guys' lives. Out there with all the angels, just literally repairing slab and preparing to build something brand new over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life. He's giving you a foundation. Some of you, excuse me, some of you in some of you in this room are in dating relationships you shouldn't be in, and you got to get out. And some of you are like, well, love doesn't look like that in my life, so I got to get out. And so you need to go and allow that to happen. Don't don't stress yourself out. Some of you are in some seriously unhappy relationships, just in case you don't know. And you know it standing in this room. Some of you are busy sleeping around because you're hoping to find what love looks like, and the Lord says, stop. Stop. Like a dad. I feel like dad's like, stop. He's repairing a slab right now. He's laying a new foundation. Say it like this, but I don't feel like the Lord's constantly calling you out. But I want to say it like this. There's specifically one person in the room, somebody's in the room, who started a relationship that started on Facebook, and you're in the midst of that being a relationship right now. It's gone too far. You heard the message tonight, and you literally know in your heart that if this relationship doesn't end, I can't leave the phone in this way. And so I just ask that if that's you tonight, and I'll ask you guys your hand, please do not be in there. No, I don't at all want to embarrass you. But I know, I know that I know, because you know this relationship has to end. You need to go home and take care of it tonight. On the way home, you need to drive, call this person, and uh, and take care of it. If the relationship started on Facebook, it started as a friendship, it ended up being a relationship, it's gone way too far, and now it's getting really serious, and you're freaked out because you don't know what's going on, but tonight, God's confirming your heart. It's over. It's done. And so, for the rest of us, what I'm asking God is that I just ask that you very real way you give us an opportunity to know what love looks like right now. I ask for forgiveness for the rest of you in this room. For some of you in this room, God, the enemy is trying to put guilt on you. See, I told you you didn't know. And you're not hearing the gold in this message. All you're hearing from me tonight is, I, I'm terrible. And I ask for a spirit of guilt to be washed off right now in Jesus' name. And I ask for grace to abide. I ask for grace in the room, a grace that says you get to start over. You can start over. You can start a new foundation and build a new house. 
It's never too late. In Jesus' name, we God ask the grace of Father's heart to wash over every single person Thank you.